Hi, I'm Graham Mack and welcome to the Pod 20, the countdown of the most popular podcasts right now according to downloads and your recommendations at thepodcastradio.co.uk. I'll be talking to guest podcasters that made the chart, including one bloke who was told, you're a horrible soldier, go and be a comedian. The Pod 20 is heard on Podcast Radio, on DAB in the UK, on demand in the USA at talkers.com, around the world on multiple platforms, and as a podcast itself. Into the chart now, and at number 20, Newscast from BBC Radio. Is hydrogen on its way to saving the planet? 19. The Breakfast Club. The world's most dangerous morning show with DJ Envy, Angela Yee and Chalamagne, the God. 18. The Jordan B. Peterson Podcast. Enlightening discourse that will change the way you think. Number 17. On Purpose with Jay Shetty. Fascinating conversations with the most insightful people in the world. 16. Behind the Bastards. The Worst Humans in History. Number 15. Soap from the Box. Lee Salisbury chats to your favourite soap stars. Lee, you've directed most of the UK's big soaps. Where did you learn how to do that? I did television production at Westminster Uni. Brilliant production, uh, you know, brilliant facilities there. Didn't know quite what I wanted to do, whether it was radio, TV, you know, which kind of area of telly. Uh, but yeah, so that's how I started and getting, I would say to anyone, get work experience at uni because you're not being, you know, you won't get paid, but you've got uni there, you know, so do all the experience, you know, then before you leave and hopefully then you've got a big backup, you know, of stuff. So that's my advice, I think, because uni is brilliant, but you need to get the actual hours in of work experience to just get to know people. You know, we know that is the key. Yeah. And being in the environment. Yeah. So that when somebody yes. comes up, you're the Johnny on the spot that can get you're the there. Gig. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're directing, which is so, I know nothing about this game, right? Nothing. So when, I, when you're directing a hit soap like that, obviously a lot of pressure, how much of it is the technical side of it? I mean, getting all the right shots and everything. And how much of it is getting the performance With from the, the actors? actors? It's half and half, I would say. I think they say there's technical directors, actor directors, and then ones in between. I think I'm in between because you've got the crew there technically as well. They can help, yeah. you know, but so as long as you have a vision, they can kind of help with lenses and stuff like that. Cause I'm still not, you know, that brilliant with which lens is which and da da da. But you have to have a vision. I think you can't really teach directing. I think you have to have it in you. Yeah. You know, you have to have it in you to work with actors and know what's good, I think, but you learn more as you go along. And the actors obviously teach you a lot of stuff, but. A lot of it is the confidence, you know, being in charge of 70 people on set and big stars, you know, it, it is kind of like, oh my God, you can't really learn for that. I don't think you can teach for that. So I think it's like acting. You can't really be an actor if you can't act. You can't learn to be one. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Really, yeah, you yeah. can get better. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, a lot of it is technical, but you know, a lot of it is just the personality and just getting the job done as well. It's so fast, so fast. So you have to work well under pressure um, and plan and yeah. I was, it's very hard to put down the job on paper. Do you know what I mean? Because there is so much to it. Um, and every job is very different as well. And every production is very different. So you just have to go in and hit the ground running. On a soap then, what, what's a typical day look like? Because they make them quick, don't they? Yeah, they make it very Compared quick. Compared to so film. Kind of, so you go in and do kind of, what is it? Two weeks prep, two weeks filming for four episodes and two weeks editing. Very fast. So every day filming... 
it's about seven till seven you're doing hour wise right with a little break so it's very fast so you've already done all your prep you prep all the scenes beforehand so you know exactly what you're going to do camera plan run run the lines block it through record and literally that's it so about 30 minutes for a scene which is mad very fast so you're doing them so as we're watching a soap like say eastenders or emmerdale that's not far off the the pace that it was it was shot at. No, no, it's not far off at all. No, <laughs> it is that fast. You don't really the actors know their lines, you know, so it's putting them where you want them, and you don't really have time for mistakes. Really, everyone yeah. has to be at top at the top of their game. Yeah, yeah you can't really run over because you get the blame. You get the blame if it's you get the credit if it's good, and the blame if you run over. At least you got more freedom in the podcast though, which is called Soap. From the Box with Lee Salisbury. It's at number 15 this week on the Pod 20. 14. British Scandal from Wondery. The latest episode is The Profumo Affair. 13. Something Was Wrong. The Iris Award-winning true crime docuseries about the detection, trauma and recovery from shocking life discoveries and abusive relationships. 12. Monday Morning Podcast. This week, Bill Burr rants about bagels, law and order, and college football. 11. Travel Hacker with Richie Firth. You probably know Richie from the Hometime Show on Absolute Radio. I worked with you at 2CRFM in Bournemouth, which was owned by GWR, and your current on-air partner is Andy Bush. He worked for GWR as well, didn't he? Uh, he'd, he'd worked at the Bristol Breakfast Show for a long, long time. I'd worked obviously at 2CR for a long, long time. And we'd done, uh, we'd done breakfast show boot camps together, um, from the GWR days. We'd, we'd worked on sort of like pilot coaching schemes and, and, and stuff together. So we'd known of each other for a, for a long time. And then obviously when Andy started here, uh, at Absolute, we'd had that, um, connection, um, slash, you know, sort of history, both sort of gone through things together so um so yeah so it was a good it was a good starting point for the show um and, and we'd both i think both of us would say we'd both gone through sort of like local radio together i think there's there's less of that these days and um you know we we'd both stood on high streets of um of towns on a saturday and done sort of like you know black thunder promotions and uh done the hard graft so um yeah, car dealers and, and all the rest of it yeah correct yeah we always blame the weather that's <laughs> that's it yeah well, for, think, yeah for, the spots for, running why is no one turning up <laughs> yeah and, and the weather's a great one because yeah the, the, the at some stage when you're doing an, an outside broadcast from a car dealers the, the bloke that the from the dealership will come over and go not that many people have turned up and you go ask this weather and so if the weather's really, really sunny, you go, when the weather's like this, no one goes out buying cars. They're all out the beach and that. And when That's the weather's it. bad, you go, it's this weather. No one wants to come out in the rain. <laughs> it's, it doesn't matter what the weather's doing. You always use the weather. It's the modern day equivalent of a, of a, of a text thing not quite taken off. And you're, you're saying, nah, the text, the text system's down. But neither of you will bother to text test. Just, just <laughs> crushingly if you see your text come through. Exactly. So then with that show, the home time, you've had a, a few successful bits on that though. There was the fish and chip tour was a big deal, wasn't it? The fish and chip shop tour was fantastic. It was something that we'd wanted to do, um, from the get go. Um, 
what doesn't get Brits talking um, more than fish and chips? Well, there are other things, but we were passionate about it. And uh, yeah, we found we found a sponsor to come on board, Morden Salt. Um, uh, so that that enabled us to find the funding to go and take the home time show uh, live for a week on the roads. Um, and it was it was great fun. It was really, really good fun. Uh, really, yeah, tapped into people's imagination. And then... Travel hacker, why that? What's what? How did that happen? The podcast is that done through Absolute? It's not done through Absolute. No, this is uh, this side is something. Hustle. This is this is side hustle. Who would have thought I would ever get off my backside and 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 have some side hustle? But it's it's happened. Um, uh, yeah, it's something that I do with uh, with with Chris Skinner. Chris was a guy that I met uh, when he was producing uh, the the breakfast show with Christian. Uh, and we got on well. Um, and uh, Chris has obviously um, had his successes with uh, with podcasts, with working and producing uh, the Bugle podcast. Um, and uh, he came to me, said, look, Chris, uh, he, he said, Rich, I, I think we've got a podcast in us. Um, let's let's sit down and talk about some of the things that uh, you're passionate about. And I'd love to do a podcast with you. So uh, we did, and there was sport, there was football, um, and then there's always been travel for me, um, travel nerdery, um, and we we chatted about it, and I talked about some of the kind of things that I thought I'd like to try and do, uh, and it, it, I guess in some respects the kind of stuff that we've we've done, it's been a similar kind of vibe to the stuff that I've always loved doing. I've always loved getting out and about and actually recording, or or, or being out, you know when when we were doing our stuff with the travel chicken, you know, that was, that was out and about. Mm. Um, the chip shop tour has been out and about. I've always enjoyed being out and about. So the first series of travel hacker, when we launched it was about recording a podcast, but not being two microphones in a studio somewhere, but actually recording it and putting it over episodes of us trying to do challenges. Um, and, and travel hacker was born. And one of the challenges you did, you tried to circumnavigate the M25 in under two hours. That was the first one that we did. Yeah, the M25. Um, Chris is always saying to me, look, you know, these are international listeners. It's not everyone knows what the M25 is. Explain. It's London's orbital motorway. It's 117 miles long. But if you talk to anyone in the UK, it's like, oh, the M25, it's a nightmare motorway. Um, you don't want to get stuck on that. And I kind of like, don't fear it. You change your behavior. Don't have a go at the M25. It's, it's a nightmare because you're going at it at the wrong time. I wanted to prove that it was possible to circumnavigate the M25 in its entirety in under two hours. Uh, and so for the first two episodes of the first series of Travel Hacker, we attempted to do it. And do you want to give the result away for anyone who hasn't heard that episode? Uh, I will give it away. I'll give uh, it to and you. then hopefully they will... No, I'm not going to give it away. Okay, fine. that. Okay, I'm not going to give it away. Uh, I'll tell you what I liked about that episode was the, in fact, all the episodes of Travel Hacker is the interesting little bits of useless trivia. For instance, well, I had no idea because I was in Australia when they built the thing that it started and ended at South Mims. Correct. That's, that's and I, I found that out from listening to you. <laughs> Who <laughs> thought I'd learn much. anything from you? <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought it's actually the only things you'll ever learn from me will be on the travel hacker podcast it won't be anything that i ever do on a live broadcast um and that's turned out to be that the way that the travel hacker podcast has evolved has actually been those kind of things 
We don't often end up successfully hacking travel. Uh, I won't give too much away, but what people have turned out to like is uh, the attempts at doing it. Um, and as you say, the the little bits of information that come out of it, um, the relationship between Chris and I whilst we are trying to hack travel. Um, and that's what has kept us going because we did that first series and then obviously COVID hit um, and we were in a position where we couldn't get out and record travel hacks. But we did then have an audience that liked the podcast and wanted further series. So we've had to do now two holding seasons of the podcast where we've done fantasy hacks, kind of getting people travel ready for when restrictions ease and they're able to get back out uh, and uh, ask our our audience to get in touch with us and say, look, you know, what, what's the journey that you want to do that you've always thought about doing and, and we'll provide you with the best ways or alternatives of doing it. And um, we'll get back to doing those live hacks and the big ones that we want to do. But it's been really fun these last two seasons, actually changing it slightly. It's been really exciting. And the podcast's doing really well. Number 11 this week, The Travel Hacker with Richie Firth on the Pod 20. At 10, sips, suds and smokes. Everything good in life is worth discussing. Wine, tea, coffee, whiskey, beer, cigars, barbecue, people whose first names start with a Q, ex-Amish, the state of Alabama, roadkill and Canadians. 9. Freakonomics Radio. Discover the hidden side of everything with Stephen J. Dubner, co-author of the Freakonomics books. 8. The Overlap with Gary Neville. The biggest names in football, politics, business and world sport share real stories. Episode 9 is The Big One with Roy Keane. 7. Hidden Brain. Shankar Vedantam uses science and storytelling to reveal the unconscious patterns that drive human behaviour. 6. Two Trillion Thoughts with Griff Griff, you have a nationally syndicated radio show in the US, but you started out in comedy before you got into broadcasting. Oh yeah, I started comedy April 14th, 1995, and then I got my first radio job in uh, November of 98. I see. So was that after you came out of the army, you, you just decided what you go to some open well, mics and stuff? Well, I lived in Germany for five years um, and I played football over there. Remember when the World League folded, they still had those stadiums over there and stuff. So we played in front of about twenty five hundred, three thousand people um, on the weekend. And then football, American football was very new to the Germans. So they only allowed two Americans on the field at one time, like two on offense, two on defense. So it was normally like an American quarterback and like an American wide receiver or American linebacker and American safety. And then everybody else was German just trying to learn the game. So we was, they could be six foot. They could be 2.2 meters and little dudes was crushing him in the chest and that was that was fun but uh it'd be like trying to it'd be like trying to start a soccer league out here with americans and then first you got to teach them soccer you know what i'm saying like even if you 16 and a 16 year old from london is teaching an american 16 year old about soccer 
even if I taught you everything I know in a week, on that eighth day, you're not going to be good. Like, you just, <laughs> you know, we play with a football from when we, uh, as soon as we can walk. But y'all kick a soccer ball as soon as you can walk, too. So, it's, it's you know, big deal. I'm a soccer fan now, though. I'm Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich all day. Oh, yeah, that's your team. I saw I saw Michael Jackson at Munich uh, at Munich Olympia Hall A in in '93, and uh, it was in front of uh, ninety seven thousand people. So I'm asking the people around me. I'm like, wait a minute, it'd have been ninety seven thousand people in here if Michael Jackson wasn't here either. And they was like, <laughs> yeah, so. I learned about <laughs> soccer immediately. I think EA Sports had made FIFA FIFA 94 or something that year and I had I was in uh it was a British dude in the army who uh who who would teach me he he loved rugby right. but he was trying to teach me I was trying to teach him football but he was trying to teach me rugby but then he would teach me soccer for real so so how did that lead to comedy then? Did it start in Germany when you're in the army? I mean, I, I wanted to be a comedian since I was three. My mother worked at nursing homes, uh, convalescent homes, and she would put the old people in half a circle and tell me, go make them laugh, right? So I was on like this geriatric tour the first <laughs> years of my life. <laughs> and it wasn't, wait a minute, Graham, no. It wasn't really telling comedy per se. It was really like saying, okay, Mrs. Robinson, you got something right here. Uh, Mr. Rodriguez, you peed on yourself a little bit. <laughs> All right, I'm going to the moon, you know, so. Um, but I have been doing comedy like, I mean, I was doing stuff in the Army. I was, everybody knew, uh, you know, the yeah. Army was, even the Army people was like, why are you? Why are you a soldier? You a horrible soldier. Go be a comedian. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and who who were you listening to and, and watching? Which comedians were really switching you on? You know, um, people ask me that all the time. My top three, and I and I have to say, George Burns. George Burns was doing comedy when he was ninety six on a strip in Las Vegas, drinking brandy and smoking a cigar. And then Bob Hope, um, uh, both George Burns and Bob Hope died at 100 years old. But Bob Hope, the way he was a veteran, um, the troops loved him. Uh, he hosted the Oscars like eight times. Um, just uh, he was doing stuff, you know, the Playboy, All-American football like they just loved him. And I just, you know, the, the old black and white movies, uh, on the road to Morocco and stuff like that. Uh, I, I was just a fan. And then, uh, my third one was, was Steve Martin, um, in his book. Um, what is it? It's a stand up. It's sit standing up. Yeah, I, think, I think it's called. Yeah. I read it. It's a great book. Yeah. Some about is yellow and black, right? Some about born, born, born standing. standing up. That's, that's it, isn't it? Born yeah, standing up. Yeah. It's a good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he stopped doing comedy after 19 years and he was on Vegas and he was having a horrible set and his guitar wouldn't come down and he just hated 
where he, what he had become. And Steve Martin was the first person to do arenas. He was the first person to do 10, 15,000, you know, just doing comedy. Uh, and then he quit doing comedy. And the next day he wrote the jerk, you right, know, the movie. Yeah. Um, um, he was so smart though. A lot of people don't know. He was going to UCLA part time, um, for, uh, uh, not as a chemist, but as I can't remember, but just that's, he kind of explained to me between him and Robin Williams, they explained to me how, not personally, but I learned from them that you have to be really smart. You can't be kind of smart. Like you gotta be, you gotta be smart. So you, you're clever. You know what I'm saying? So you're quick, but I learned all that. And then I learned that Saturday night live, me and my mom was Saturday night live fans, man. We what never missed the episode. And I'm talking about when I was four, when I was, so Five. what was what was the lineup there? Because we didn't get Saturday Night Live here, but obviously the comedians that came out of Saturday Night Live it was became Chevy legends. Chase, Steve Martin, Belushi, then Eddie Murphy came in '81. But what I learned from Saturday Night Live was comedy is visual. You understand? So that every week they would do a same set. But then they would just stretch it a little bit. Same joke. It was just a premise. Like, for example, Wayne's World is a premise joke. A two white dudes that's trailer park that live in a basement, but they in their mind, they think they on TV. So that's the joke. <laughs> yeah. But every week they stretch it a little bit. They stretch it a little bit. They stretch it a little bit. So what it ultimately taught me is that a joke never ends. It right. never ends. If, if the setup's right and it's there, yeah. What's the difference between a comedian and a comic then? Milton Burrow in his last interview with Larry King said, um, there's comics and comedians. And comics are people that say funny things and comedians are people that make things funny. And I'm a comedian. Um, I'm an observational comedian. I can talk about my day in 30 minutes and, and, and make it interesting enough to be funny. You know, I'm always looking, the funny is out there. Yeah. You just got to look for it. And a lot of times the funny ain't funny, which makes it funny <laughs> later. <laughs> if that makes sense. I think so, Griff. Two Trillion Thoughts is at number six this week on the pod 20. Into the top five now, and at number five, Conan O'Brien needs a friend. After 25 years at the late night desk, Conan has never made a real and lasting friendship with any of his celebrity guests. So, he started a podcast to fix that. Number four, Suspect. An apartment complex hosts a big Halloween party with themed rooms and costumed partygoers. By the end of the night, one of the party's hosts is murdered, and the partygoers are the main suspect. Number three, Stuff You Should Know. In the latest episode, Josh and Chuck bust a few myths about chameleons. Two, Crime Junkie. If you can never get enough true crime, congratulations, you found your people. And at number one for a second week. The Dropout. The podcast about the ongoing trial of Elizabeth Holmes, 
the youngest self-made female billionaire who lost it all in the blink of an eye. She faces up to 20 years in prison if she's found guilty of the 12 charges of fraud against her. Elizabeth introduced bombshell allegations of abuse against her former boyfriend and Theranos COO, Sonny Balwani. This is a huge deal. Elizabeth Holmes is essentially alleging a decade-long history of systematic abuse, sexual abuse, even physical abuse. Sonny categorically denied the claims. But will this defense strategy work? Or will jurors find it hard to square with the Elizabeth witnesses say they once knew? It was clearly the Elizabeth show. There's no question about it. This week, we meet the 12 men and women who will ultimately decide Elizabeth's fate. From ABC Audio, this is The Dropout, Elizabeth Holmes on Trial. And it's at number one this week on the Pod 20. That's it for episode 72. Thanks to this week's guest pod stars, Lee Salisbury, Richie Firth, and Griff. Next week, my guests include Julie Fisk and Rebecca Black from Haunted AF. What do you two think of professional mediums and psychics? You know, the people like John Edward, and the Long Island medium, and the late Derek Akora. All those people who are con artists who make money out of pretending to talk to dead people. Can I take this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually, we don't use any stories that involve psychics or mediums. Yeah. And yeah. I, I do believe that there are probably uh, psychics out there and very reliable mediums. But from my perspective, you're just putting a whole lot of faith in someone who's just telling you something. Yeah. So, and, uh, and I say that as like, the, the ghost, the show that I worked on before we had a psychic yeah. and she would just tell us these fantastic stories about, oh, well, this is this is where so and so was murdered and the body's buried over there. And it's like you have no way of proving any of it. And to me, it right. just kind of took a lot of the validity away. Um, so I just if there's anything that's going to make you feel like this isn't real in some way, um, then I, I don't want to share it. And again, I hate to say that. I do believe in empaths in a big way, people who sense things totally. and feel things more than others. But um, but yeah, I'm not comfortable promoting mediums on the podcast. Sorry, because we've gotten emails from them and yeah. stories from them and everything. And I think the actual a person who is a medium and stuff like I think they are a little bit on the manipulative side. And I think that's that sounds really kind of horrible. Uh, and I don't mean to offend or whatever, but. I think if someone is looking for an answer through a medium, they're always going to find an answer because they can basically associate whatever they're looking for with they whatever the medium fit, is saying. They make it fit, don't they? They make it fit. Yeah, it, yeah. And, exactly. And I, I think that is, that's my issue. What I can't understand, if a dead relative had a message for me, I think they'd tell me pretty straight. I don't think they go, I'm getting a name with a J or an M. Why right. do you want to play 20 questions, granddad? Why don't you just... <laughs> Tell me what it is. You know, why do they all of a sudden right. when they come through, it's all so vague and it's, you know, it's because they're cold yeah. reading. That's what they're doing. But that's uh, exactly it. yeah. So that's interesting. See, I thought you, I thought you guys would be like on that side of it. So no, no, I see. Well, that just gives the whole thing more credibility for me. I love, the, yeah. I just love the podcast because I love hearing real people tell real stories because you, you know, no matter what you believe or, you know, what it's all about. 
you can't say that the people that get in touch with you are lying. They are relating an experience they had yes. that was as yes. real to them as anything else. And you're getting all the emotion and the color and that with it. Yes. And I just love that about your podcast because radio is missing that. You don't, apart from shows that are dedicated for phone-ins, you don't hear great callers on the radio like you used to. You just hear people reading texts and you're actually bringing people's stories to life. You're letting, you're allowing the people to bring their stories to life. And for the record, we do edit because one of the big worries that people have, they're always like, well, I'm going to come on and sound stupid because I don't know how right. to talk on the radio. We will go in and clean you up. We will make you sound like you're not going him haul all the way through it um, yeah. without changing the story, of course. Yeah. But uh, but uh, I agree. Like when you hear somebody telling a story and you can hear them getting emotional about it, yeah. that blows my mind. And there will be moments where I will be listening to these stories alone in my house and I will just get chills all over or you tear yeah. up a little bit, you know, that just the stories. And there is, it's like, regardless of being scary or whatever, they're intimate, you know, they really, you really feel like you're sitting there with that person hearing their story. That's, that's what I love. Yeah, and being an audio-only experience makes it really intimate for the listener as well. But also, they can enjoy how how you guys uh, react to it all and and uh, and enjoy speaking to the people. So before COVID hit, then and you weren't separate, you were together in a studio. Oh yeah, uh, in Julie's extra spare bedroom. <laughs> the one I saw on the video, though, when you, when you were talking to the guy that was talking about the one where the the ornaments moved, that looked like a, a high end setup. Was that yours? Is that yours, Julie? Oh no, that's <laughs> we could only afford that for so long. You know, <laughs> you get rolling and you think that the money's going to come in much quicker than it does, and it doesn't. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, we actually we are doing everything from my house right now until COVID, and we're just right. wrapping up season five. Yeah. But uh, season six, we will be back together again, and we're redoing the spare bedroom, so it's going to be a little, slightly more like a studio, but like not better. Much. <laughs> Where can we find out more? about Haunted AF. You want to, you give the email address and everything. You're better at that. Uh, I always screwed up. So if, if anybody has a ghost story that they want to send us and we love them, if you, you can write it out, you can send us a voice memo. You can send us a video haunted AF podcast at gmail.com. Slow down. Haunted AF podcast at gmail. Haunted AF podcast <laughs> at see ya. I'm, I'm looking at you and I'm still, and I'm still not getting it. Haunted. Okay. Haunted. AF podcast at gmail.com. Right. That's the place to go. But the, yes. the, yes. the website itself is, is hauntedaf.com. Doc, well, that's easy. Hauntedaf.com. Yes, and can you email through there? Yes. yes. That's yeah. probably the easiest thing. And you, you've got some great examples on there because I had a look at uh, some of them this morning and some of the episodes. And some of the episode titles are interesting. What was the one? <laughs> I don't think it's the last one. It's the one before that was the one we all the bed. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I haven't listened to it yet. Can you give us a bit of a summary? Mind you, there's a bit of a spoiler in the title, I think. <laughs> could oh, you, my God. Could you, Where do we even start with that one? What happened there? So many of our stories are, they end with like, and I about my pants or, you know. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so um, that always plays into it. But I have a kitten 
who has what they call litter box confusion. And she has decided that she likes to poop on our bed. And oh. um, so the day that we were taping, we had just gone through <laughs> where I had literally cleaning poop off of a bed. <laughs> and it was just, I couldn't start the podcast. I was completely, <laughs> I was very upset about the on the bed. It's making me crazy right now. Still understandably with it. so though yeah so yeah. it uh yeah i kind of carried over into the podcast and hence the title so it, yeah. it was and a good it was one like though. story Go after story more from julie and rebecca from haunted af next week in the meantime you can watch extended video chats with my guests on youtube and subscribe to my youtube channel and what will happen on the podcast radio chart next week? Will the dropout stay at the top for a third week? Will your favourite podcast be at number one? Find out with me, Graham Mack, and influence the chart. Make a recommendation at thepodcastradio.co.uk. On the morning of August 1st, 1966... Shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.